last few weeks uh, back in Life Church in Middletown, what I've been going over with our church family is our six core values. And this past Sunday, I went over the fourth one. And when Pastor Randy said, could you fill in for me tonight? The first thing that came to me was to go over the same core value that I went over with our church family this past Sunday. So if you go to lifechurchalive.com sometime, you can find our six core values, which are love, serve, worship and prayer, give, care, and grow. And the fourth one, which I'm going to share with you tonight, is give. Everyone say give. And that core value is bold, extravagant generosity to intentionally advance Christ's kingdom. Now that is just so cool. And one of the theme scriptures that I'm going to use for tonight is Luke 6, 38. Give, and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over will be put into your bosom for with the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, lots of times we take this scripture and we'll use it when we're receiving tithes and offerings or a missions gift or something like that. But really, you know, when I was a student at Oral Roberts University, all my professors just continually says context, context, context. Do not pull a scripture out of context. If you're going to read a scripture, make sure that you read 20 or 30 scriptures before the scripture that you're looking at, and then read 20 or 30 scriptures after the scripture that you're looking at. Because did you realize the translators added the punctuation later on, that when you go to the original language, you won't find any punctuality, any periods, any commas, any capitalization. All you see is the God-breathed revelatory word. Can I have a good amen? And so you've got to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. You know, sometimes I'll have people say to me, well, Pastor Kim, I just don't know that I can really understand the Word of God. I mean, I read the Bible, but I don't know how to understand it. And this is what I always share with someone. And if you're a new believer here tonight or you're young in the Lord, this is what I always tell people. Understanding the Word of God is not dependent on your ability to understand it and figure everything out. Understanding the Word of God is based on the Holy Spirit's ability to mix Himself with your spirit and take this Word and put it inside of you in a way that it fits together with who you are and your personality so you grab it as you cleave to Christ and you cleave to the Holy Spirit and develop an intimate personal, enjoyable, exciting, come on now, exciting, someone say exciting, exciting relationship with God, because that's what this thing is, it's a real, exciting, genuine, vibrant, ugh, kicking, they call that the Pastor Kim kick, kicking, re revelation, and, and relationship with God Almighty, amen? And so, let's go to Luke chapter 6, verse 27, and let's start reading right here. 
Jesus said, but I say to you who hear. Everyone say, those who hear. Now, the interesting thing about this scripture is he's using the same configuration in the Greek language and the same worded that's used back in the gospel according to Mark chapter 4 in the parable of the sower, where in verse 9 he said to them, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now this is after he taught the parable of the sower to thousands of people And then he finished off with that statement, those of you who have ears to hear, let them hear. And then it said this in verse 10, but when he was alone, everyone say alone. When he was alone, those around him with the 12, and that would have been the 12 apostles or the 12 disciples, those that were with him, with the 12 asked him about the parable, and he said to them, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, all things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins should be forgiven them. Now what is he saying? He's saying this, After you hear your pastor or anyone else share the word of God, that's time for you to go home and get alone with Jesus and talk to him and say, talk to me about what my pastor shared with me. See, because that's where you get the revelation. Revelation always comes as a result of relationship. God does everything through relationship. The relationship that you and I have with him, the relationships that we have in our marriage, our home, and our family, and the relationships that we have with one another in the body of Christ. God does everything through relationship. And so when he taught the parable of the sower to them, it was only those that pursued and went farther. Many talked themselves into doing things they really didn't have to do. Well, I'm hungry. Don't you think we should go get something to eat? Well, you know, I think that we better start heading home now. And I think that we better get ready to get ready to start heading home tomorrow. And, uh, but then there were those that came with the 12 and they didn't have enough. And they wanted to get alone with Jesus. And they wanted to be with him. And, and they wanted to hear what they had, what he had to say. That is what he was talking about when he says, those that have ears to hear. And in Luke chapter 6 in verse 27, when he's talking about bold, extravagant, generosity, that's exactly the same Greek word that's used. But I say to those of you that hear, those who are hungry for me, those who are thirsty for me, those who are coming to get a drink, you don't care about anything else. You just want to be with me. You don't even care what I say. You just want to be here to hear it, whatever it is that I say. Amen? You know, I'll never forget One time it was, uh, oh, I'd say two or three o'clock in the morning, and this was a couple years ago. And every individual has their own personal, unique relationship with God. It's true. It's unique. If you can even think of that and fathom about that for a moment, 
no two relationships with God are exactly alike. There's always special things that happen between you and God that will not necessarily happen between God and someone else, but it's special for you because that's how special we are to God. That he has special, unique moments and special, unique times and special, unique things that he gives to every one of us. And so it was like two or three in the morning and uh, I was used to God waking me up in the middle of the night and I've gotten to know when it's God waking me up and, you know, me just having a hard time sleeping. And uh, so I just kind of felt the Lord nudging me and I woke up. And I says, oh, do you have to wake me up at this time again? And uh, I'm thinking, God, why do you do this? And he says, get up. I've got something I want to talk to you about. So I got up and I went and I made my cup of coffee and got that all doctored up with cream and sugar and went and sat on the couch with my Bible and I'm sitting there and I says, okay, God, what scripture do you want me to go to? Because sure enough, anytime God wants to talk to me about something, 99.9% .9 of the time, he'll say, I want you to turn to a certain place in the word of God. Do you realize how important our Bible is? Do you realize that Jesus said that you will live by every word that comes out of the mouth of God in Matthew 4.4? 4? Do you realize that when it comes to this Bible, that Jesus said, those of you who are my disciples in the Gospel of John chapter 8, if you continue in my word, you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Yeah. One of the biggest mistakes, now listen to me, one of the biggest mistakes I've seen young Christians or, you know, kind of semi-mature Christians or, you know, those that think they're mature Christians and they're really not. But one of the biggest mistakes that I see people make is trying to hear God outside of the revelation of his written word. Because it just don't happen. See, the more of this word that you and I get inside of our heart. I'm not talking about in our head, but I'm talking about in our heart. That's where we're, the, breathe, the God breathes creation, who you and I are. When we have his word that's in our heart, do you know his word then becomes a part of us? And then all you got to do is be yourself. You don't even have to try to live out this word once it gets in your heart it just becomes a part of you and all you got to do is just live life have a blast and you just automatically walk in the reality of what this bible says that you and i should walk in but that should part comes not by effort or trying but comes by enjoying our wonderful relationship with god so anyway, I'm sitting there on the sofa. You thought I forgot about my story, didn't you? But I didn't. I'm sitting there on the sofa and I says, okay, God, what is it that you want to talk to me about? He says, nothing. <laughs> I'm thinking, you've got to be flat out kidding. You got me out of bed just to get me out of bed and you don't want to talk about nothing? He says, no. He says, I just wanted to tell you how much I love you 
and believe in you. And I'm telling you what, Tim, when he said it, it broke me. There's nothing that breaks you like the love of God. To, to, to realize that the almighty creator of the whole universe loves us that much. And it's one thing, you know, when we hear other people say, well, God loves you. And sometimes you think, especially if you're going through depression or something like that, you think, yeah, tell me about it. Just, just tell me about it. God loves me. It's one thing when a person says that to you. But when you hear God say that to you in your spirit, all of a sudden you realize he loves me. He believes in me. He knows every stupid knuckle-headed thing that I've done. And he loves me. And he believes me. And that's so life-changing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's so life-changing. It's called grace. See, the Bible says that you and I can boldly go before the throne of grace. Aren't you glad it's a throne of grace? Yes. And we can receive grace and help and mercy in our time of need. So that's the kind of hearing that Jesus is talking about. He says, those of you who are cleaving to me, those of you who love me, those of you who are hearing me, those of you who are listening to me, he says, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who spitefully use you. Now, interesting, the Greek word for pray here is the word prosomakahi. And prosomakahi means that you're taking the time to get before God in worship like we did tonight, like we do every time we gather together in this local church family, whether it's a Sunday morning or whether it's a, a Wednesday evening. We take time to allow the Holy Spirit to move. We take time to worship God. We take time to allow our heart to mingle together with God because we're not here to sing songs. We're here to, to give our heart to Him and present our heart to Him and let Him work in our hearts heart of hearts and, and do something brand new in him to love on us and us to love on him. And, and so when it talks about praying for our enemies, you cannot separate worship and prayer away from one another. They're together. They're eternally united together. For the most part, anytime you see the word pray or prayer or praying, whether it's in the New Testament or whether it's in the Old Testament, it's always talking about both worship and surrender, and prayer, and petition, and making our requests made known unto the Lord. And you might say, how come? Why is it that way? It's because God wants our prayer life to be led and directed by Him. In other words, if we're going to pray in faith, now listen to me, if we're going to pray in faith, we have got to trust God to lead us in what we pray and lead us in what we say. Did you catch that? Yeah. Not just automatically sitting down thinking, I've got this figured out. This is what I need. This is, this is what I need done. Well, you may need something done. But do you need to pray for that thing to be done? Or do you need to go in a completely different direction? Maybe the direction God wants you to go in, if you need something done, 
is to be led by the Holy Spirit and trust that he's leading you and then he leads you to pray for the very person that you despise. And you don't even really know that you despise that person. You don't even really have that sense or anything like that. You don't think there's any unforgiveness there. You don't think that there's any bitterness there. But God knows. And God always goes after the thing that's going to hinder our prayer life. But he does it with gentleness. Come on now, church. Did you hear what I said? He, he does it without condemnation. He'll do it with conviction. He'll convict us about something, but he's not going to condemn us. He's not going to judge us. He's not going to body slam us. You hear what I'm saying? But he does it with love. He does it with kindness, and he reveals it to us. And then all of a sudden, we find ourselves being led by the Holy Spirit to pray for the very people who despitefully use you and have come against you and maybe have stolen from you and maybe have hurt you. Come on now, don't tell me that there's not people here tonight, you haven't had that happen and you've lived through pain, but the way that you make it through that pain is you allow the leadership of the Holy Spirit to work through your life. So that you have spirit-led prayers. And actually, prosecomihi, which is that Greek word, also means you intercede and you stand in the gap for that person who hates you, who despises you, and uh, has despitefully used you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I always try to be transparent everywhere I go. I traveled for 26 years as a missionary evangelist. And uh, I've always just been me, you know, some people want to hide everything and God had did a amazing work in my life many years ago and I'm just kind of open about everything. And uh, so the last 10 months have been really hard. I've gone through six surgeries in the last 10 months and uh, last week oh, was a very, very, very hard week because I had to go through another little adjustment type of a surgery. And uh, I'm one of those crazy individuals. I believe in divine supernatural healing, but I also believe that God gives wisdom to doctors. Amen. And I'm thankful for both. I don't despise one or the other or put one above the other because ultimately, if a surgeon goes inside of your body and has to cut something after it's cut, guess who has to do the healing? God does. So ultimately, healing comes from God. So anyway... Last week, oh, it was one of the most difficult weeks I've had in I don't know how long. And I had to go to my doctor's office and pick something up. And so after I picked the item up and I'm going down the elevator, I noticed this other lady in the elevator, and she just didn't look like she was doing too good. And uh, so the door opened, I waited for her to go out, and I'm kind of walking with her, and I says, ma'am, are you Okay. And uh, she says, well, I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm having a hard time. I've just gone through 20 surgeries in the last year. And I'm thinking, I've gone through six in the last 10 months. And I'm having a hard time. She's gone through 20 in the last year. And my heart just went out to her. And uh, I, I says, ma'am, I says, is it all right if I pray for you? When I was 15 years old, I had a damaged heart and I wasn't supposed to live. And I told her my testimony and I, I says, Jesus healed me and gave me a brand new heart. I says, can I pray for you? And she says, yes. 
She says, yes, but I want you to know that I went through these surgeries because they're working on my veins. I, she says, I smoked my whole life and it's my own fault. And she says, don't, if, if, you, if you smoke right now, don't, you know, you need to quit if you, you know, and, and if, you, if you haven't ever smoked, don't ever start because it, it will ruin your life and ruin, ruin your body. And she says, I was getting these surgeries done on my veins so that I wouldn't lose my leg. And I says, ma'am, I want you to know that Jesus is the healer and he heals us even if we've done something that's our own fault. He came and he shed his blood. Come on, someone help me. He came and he shed his blood. Because you and I were lost and dying in sin and destroying ourselves. Some people have the idea, well, if you've done such and such, there's no way that God would heal you. Yes, there is. He came to heal. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Someone say a good amen. He heals all who were oppressed of the devil. Yeah. <clears throat> And she says, yeah, she says, you can pray for me. And I says, may I put my hand on you? Now, let me give you a little instruction like this. If you're a man praying for a woman or a woman praying for a man, you know, make sure that you put your hand on, you know, an appropriate place on the body. So I put my hand on her shoulder. And I'm just me. I just start praying in the Holy Ghost. I don't care if I'm praying for a Baptist. I don't care if I'm praying for an unbeliever. I don't care if it's a Pentecostal that doesn't believe you're supposed to pray in tongues unless you're locked in a closet privately. I just, myself, and I'm just, when I started praying in the Holy Ghost, she took both of her arms and wrapped it around my hand, and she started yelling, I feel it. I can feel it. Something's happening and going through me. I feel it. And I just start releasing the power of, come on now, because any of us can do this. Isn't that right? You don't have to be an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, a pastor, a teacher. All you got to do is be a believer. You don't have to be a believer that's been born again X number of years. Maybe you're born again just one day. What about the woman at the well? Praise God. The same day that Jesus set her free, she went back to her hometown and started preaching. Amen. Amen. You don't have to know everything. All you got to do is step out in faith in what God has shown you. As I mean, I'm just releasing the life of God in her body. And she says, I feel it. I feel it. I feel it. And when I'm done, I says, ma'am, I believe this was a divine appointment. And she says, I believe it was too. And uh, I walked away from there realizing I feel absolutely horrible. This is one of the worst days I've had in my life. But I, I realized something. The difficulty I was going through did not hinder the power and the life and the healing of Jesus Christ to flow through me at all. Come on now. We, because listen to me, we have this treasure in earthen vessels, in vessels that are not perfect. This vessel's never going to be perfect. Maybe you'll never feel perfectly good, but it will not hinder, come on now, the power of the Holy Spirit from moving through you, through me, through this whole church family. Amen. Uh, and you're going to see in a minute 
that that's exactly what Jesus was talking about. When he was saying that when we give, it shall be given to us good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It's when we allow the good word of God to flow through us. Come on now. It's when we allow the power of the Holy Spirit to flow through us. Amen. It's when we allow an encouraging word to flow through us and give into the life of someone else that maybe needs something desperately. And it's been the providence of God leading your steps across the steps of another person who desperately needs help but they're only going to get help through part of Christ's body and guess what there's more in the body who are not apostles not prophets not pastors not teachers not evangelists but just good dads and good moms and good grandfathers and grandmothers and teenagers and college students full of the power of the Holy Spirit always having an awareness of where you are when you're living your life and you're out in the world when you're having a good day or whether you're having a bad day always be available because I'm telling you this when you allow the power of the Holy Spirit to flow through you guess what on the way out of you it has to touch your body ah so you pray for someone else you minister to someone else and you get ministered to also come on now amen oh hallelujah Man, they'd have tore the pews out in some of the places I've preached before if I'd get in here and talk like this. Amen? To him who strikes you on the cheek, which he's referring culturally to a way that they insulted one another, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you. Now, what is that saying? What is that not saying? It doesn't mean if somebody is just scrounging around and just hitting everybody up for money and they're coming up to you, I want you to give me X number of dollars. It's not saying give that to them. It's not saying give them what they want. It's just saying give them what God leads you to give them. Which may be an encouraging word. Which may be a word of wisdom. Uh, which may be you put your hand on them and pray for them. In other words, just give. Let the Spirit of God, let the Word of God get in you richly and start giving to people. See, this is what Jesus is talking about when he's saying, be a bold, extravagant, generosity giver. <clears throat> give, pour into everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask it back. In other words, it's talking about somebody borrows something from you. If someone borrows something from you, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Well, when are they going to give me that thing back that they borrowed from me? I bet they're not even thinking about it. Just don't worry about it. Just let it go. Amen? Let it go. Every, I mean, <clears throat> we're always so concerned about insignificant things many times. My wife and I are ministering to this one young man, which, oh, maybe about a month or two ago, his dad died. He's 20 years old. I'm not going to say his name, you know, publicly over this live stream. But uh, my wife and I see him every week because after church on Sunday, <clears throat> my mother loves to go to Cracker Barrel. 
So we always go to the Cracker Barrel up on Wilmington Pike in uh, the Dayton area, and he's working there. And uh, so we witnessed to him, shared Christ with him. He says, I don't believe in that stuff. And I said, all right. I says, give me your hand. So he gave me his hand, and I just prayed for him. Amen. I just prayed the love of God into him. Amen. And uh, we always tip him very well because he's a college student and he's not able to get any financial aid right now for whatever reason. And his dad just passed away. And so we always carry extra money with us. And I mean, when I say we tip him, we tip him. And uh, he always looks for us. And uh, he's, he's a real muscular young kid. And so this last week, he, he started saying, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I was sick last week. I couldn't work, and I'm, I'm having trouble enough earning enough money as it is on this job. And the Lord reminded me of something somebody had given me for pastor's appreciation. And he says, you stuck it in your billfold. You pull it out, and you give that to him right now. So when I pulled it out, I said, somebody gave me this, and here, this is yours. Oh, he's, he's, it was so big, he goes, oh, no, I can't take something like that. I says, yes. I says, God told me to give it to you. Oh, no. I says, yes, the God that you don't believe in told me to give this to you. He's real. He told me to give this to you. You didn't say that to him. Yes, I did. He says, oh, no, I can't take this. And I, and I says, listen, buddy. I says, you either take this or I'm going to stand up on this chair and beat the snot out of you right in front of everybody right here in this cracker barrel. I says, you take it. So he took it then. But, uh, oh, he just, just pray for the cracker barrel boy, all right? Because he, he is on his way to coming to Jesus. See, sometimes people say, well, I don't believe in that God. I don't this, I don't that. It's because they've been through so much hurt and pain in their life that they need to come along. They need to come across somebody <clears throat> who, isn't, who isn't just singing songs on Sunday and listening to a message on Sunday and, you know, we get you in, in and out of here quicker than uh, you are when you go through a car wash. And that's not church. That's disgusting. It's, it's just disgusting. I mean, we're not supposed to be seeker-sensitive. We're supposed to be God-sensitive and then full of God and just pour. Let get, get come, We come and gather together and get full of God so that we can go out and pour into the lives of other people. Yeah. See, it's not that we get full of God so that we can feel better throughout the week, living the way we want to live throughout the week. No, we, God, God wants us to go higher than that. Everybody say higher. Higher. He wants us to go higher than that and get full of him so we can pour into the lives of other people. He went on to say, and just as you would like men to do to you, also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend from whom you hope to receive back. What credit is that to you? For even sinners, lend to sinners and receive as much back. But love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward shall be great and you will be the sons of the Most High for he is kind to the unthankful and the evil. So 
Why does he say that if you start to choose to live this way, because you can't live this way in your own strength, you've, you've got to have something from God. You've got to get something from him to crucify your flesh. So why does it say, and literally in the Greek, it refers to the future, you will be the, the, the children, the sons and daughters of the Most High. It's because it's a maturing process. It's because it takes time to grow. Even Jesus had to grow in the wisdom and favor and stature of both God and men. Can I have a good amen? amen? So, you know, at the same time, we need to be patient with ourselves, but at the same time, we don't need to be slothful. We need to hunger for Him and then trust Him to help us grow so that we grow into acting like our Father. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father is also merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Now, verse 38 sums the whole thing up, where he brings and unites together love and giving and generosity together, because you can't separate it. See, if we just throw money into a bucket and we just do it out of ritual, there, there's nothing from our heart that substantiates what's going on. But if we let God work deeply inside of us during the worship time, during the teaching of the word time, during fellowship time, then something of God, of His substance, grows and matures in us and we think nothing of it. If somebody did something wicked to us, we don't even think nothing of it. Oh, okay, God, what do they need? I'll just give them whatever they need. And see, then it doesn't matter to us. It doesn't matter if the person's for us or against us. Who cares? Because I'm being reduced to love. My father is love. I'm born of love. I simply love people. I love people if they love me. I love people if they don't love me because I am the son of my father in heaven and he's working and maturing me and so I just love people. Amen? Amen. Doesn't matter what they say about me. Sometimes, remember people used to say, oh, Brother Wetland, don't you know what other people are saying about you? I says, I don't care. Let them say what they want to say. I can only control what comes out of my mouth. I can't control what comes out of other people's mouth. Why should I even worry about it? Did you hear what I say? I can only control what comes out of my mouth. I cannot control what comes out of the mouth of other people. And I learned a long time ago, for whatever reason, I mean, just look at this smiling face. I don't know what the deal is, but no matter where I go, I seem to stir up trouble. I don't know why. I mean, just look at this smiling mug right here. How could something like that happen? Because ah, we got too many Americans full of devils. <laughs> they need to come here and get delivered. Amen. Praise the Lord. So then look at this. Verse 38, give and it will be given to you. Now, who is he talking about loving on and giving to and praying for in the whole context? People that hate you, have hurt you, despise you, and despitefully use you. And he sums it up this way. Give to them and it will be given to you. Good measure. Press down shaken together and running over will be put in your bosom for with the same measure that you use 
it will be measured back to you. And I've got to end with this testimony right here, and then we're going to give an altar call and give opportunity for prayer. So Curtis, if you could come back up here and start playing softly. But I can remember when Cherie and I went to Des Moines, Iowa, and we raised up Victory Christian Center there. And uh, this was during the time that radio was very popular and teaching on radio was popular. And so there was two radio slots that came open during drive time. And uh, the spots that were open were right between Joyce Meyer, Kenneth E. Hagen Sr., and Charles Capps. I became so popular on the radio that in the Nielsen ratings, I was listed number three, and I beat out Charles Capps. Joyce Meyer was number one. Kenneth E. Hagen Sr. was number two, and I was number three. Well, anyway, when we started, <clears throat> we had no money to pay the radio bill. And God told me to go on the radio, and I've got to pay the bill. And I remember the station manager said to me, how are you going to pay this? And I says, I'm going to pay you in cash. <laughs> well, it came time to pay the bill. And I'm thinking, God, why did I say that to that guy? you got to help me. And I didn't know what to do. And I went to the post office box one day. And I opened the post office box, and there's this letter in there. And uh, this is so hilarious because it goes right along with what we're talking about here. And uh, with that letter was a check for $1,500. And we're talking about way back in the late 1980s, early 90s. And that's a lot of money at that time. And here's what he wrote in the letter. He says, Reverend Wetland, I hate you and I cannot stand anything that you say on the radio. I don't agree with anything that you say. But the Lord told me to give this to you and I was angry with him for telling me to do this. And I says, God, are you sure you want me to do this? He says, yes. So he says, I want you to know that I cannot stand you. You'll never get another thing from me. But because God told me to give this to you, and I don't know why, I'm sending it to you. And so someone who hated me ended up paying, come on now, for the first two months of our radio broadcast. Give the Lord a good amen. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet. Listen, if you haven't, if you're here tonight, you haven't surrendered your life to Christ tonight, or you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, or you just need prayer for something else, it doesn't matter what it is, I'm going to be right here for a few minutes to pray with you. And uh, just like Pastor Randy does, uh, I'm going to lead you in a confession of prayer right now, and I want you to follow after me, and let's all repeat this together. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for working in my life tonight, for giving me a deposit tonight, for encouraging me tonight, for helping me to understand more and more that as I let you work in me, that you want to work through me and touch the lives of other people and pour into people that I meet every day 
whether they like me or whether they don't like me. And I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. I am here to praise. I am here.